All right, all right. How many of you here have ever gotten in trouble because of your big fat mouth? I know I have. I need some help with this, and my guess is you do too. And here's why. All throughout this series, My Big Fat Mouth, we've been talking about the incredible power of our words to set a course for our lives. In fact, on your outline, I want you to see this from the Bible. Check out what 1 Peter 3.10 says. It says, whoever would love life and see good days must what? Keep their tongue. Meaning, think before you speak. Put a guard over your lips. Keep their tongue from evil and their lips from deceitful speech. Friends, that's why we did our messages on lying and gossip. We said, hey, there are some words. You, should ju- you shouldn't use them. You shouldn't lie. You shouldn't gossip. You shouldn't speak angry, harsh words. Well, as we wrap up this series, I want to kind of change course a little bit. Instead of talking about things we shouldn't say, I want to somehow inspire you, and, and I want to just help us look at things we need to say, conversations we need to have. And the inspiration for our message today actually comes from my Spartan Life group. We're team Triple G, which is grit, gratitude, and grace. And I want to tell you, I love the name of that team because I want to run my Spartan races that way. I want, want to run my life that way, but I want to learn to run my mouth with grit, gratitude, and grace. And here's why. Proverbs 18.21 on your outline tells us this. Words kill, words give life. They're either poison or fruit. You choose. And somehow I want to use this message to inspire you and encourage you to choose and use your words, not to poison or hurt, but to bless and encourage those in your life And I want to inspire you to do that by having three life-giving conversations. And they're there on your outline. The first one is simply this. To say to yourself, to say, I choose to speak words of grit to myself. To speak words of grit to myself. That's where I'm encouraging you to practice some positive self-talk. And choose to use your words to encourage you not to quit on the things that really matter most in your life. Your family, your faith, God's purpose, God's plan for your life. This idea of speaking to yourself, it's not crazy talk. In fact, we see examples of people in the Bible who talk to themselves. In fact, let me show you one of them there on your outline from Psalm 42.11. The writer of this psalm is basically, he's talking to himself And he's not pretending. He's being honest about his life situation. And he's saying, hey, this is where I'm at. He's saying the truth is I'm down. I'm discouraged. I'm struggling. But then he also speaks words of grit because he tells himself, but God's not done. I know in the end God's going to help me. And I'm not going to give up. And I'm going to just decide to praise God in advance. In fact, I want to take a look at what it says. He says this. Why are you sad, O my soul? Why have you become troubled within me? And here's where the words of grit come in. Because he literally tells himself, self, hope in God, for I will yet praise him, my help and my God. Now, this idea of speaking words of grit to yourself, like if you're going to do that and do that well, you need to understand clearly what exactly is grit. What is grit? Do you know, I I want you to think of it this way. Grit is that dogged determination not to quit. 
to keep going, to keep fighting, to show perseverance, even in the midst of pain, knowing that if you don't give up, you're going to go up and you're going to reach your goal and reach your reward. Now, if you're taking notes, I want to give you three simple definitions of grit. I like all three. Let me choose you to pick one to write down. So they're on your outline. Grit is, number one, turning a pressure into a praise. I like that. That's a good definition. Or maybe you like this one. Grit is turning a trial into a triumph. That's a good one. And the third one, this is my favorite. Kind of all of us Spartans will get this right away. Grit is turning mud into a metal. Mud into a metal. And you may go, where does that come from? Well, you know, almost all Spartan races at the very end, one of the last things they have is they have the mud dunk wall. And you have to go under the mud dunk wall before you cross the finish line. But when you do, then you finish and you get your medal. So grit, that, that saying, I'm not going to quit till I cross the finish line, is turning mud into a medal. Let me see if I can explain grit this way. I came across this really uh, good poem about an oyster. And it goes like this. There once was an oyster whose story I tell, who found that some sand had got under his shell. It was only a grain, but it gave him great pain, for oysters have feelings, although they're so plain. Now, did he berate the harsh workings of fate that had brought him to such a deplorable state? Did he curse the government, cry for election, or claim the sea should have given protection? No. He said to himself as he lay on his shell, since I cannot remove it, I shall try to improve it. Now the years have rolled by as years always do, and he came to his ultimate destiny stew. And the small grit of sand that had bothered him so was a beautiful pearl, all richly aglow. Now the tale has a moral, for isn't it grand what an oyster can do with a small grit of sand? And what couldn't we do if we'd only begin with some of the things that get under our skin? Isn't that good? Isn't that good? Now this idea of speaking words of grit to myself... Um, one day we were, we were having our Spartan life group. We meet here on Tuesday nights and we're preparing to run the Spartan Beast. That's the highest level of Spartan races, 13 to 15 miles, about 35 obstacles. And our coach, Coach Brenda, came in for our training session. And at the end, she said, hey, as you're getting ready for the race, you want to make sure you have a mantra. And we're what? What do you mean? A mantra, you've got to have something that when the race gets really hard and you're starting to doubt yourself, you want to have something that you're going to say to yourself over and over and over again that will help you get to that finish line. And I knew right away what my mantra was going to be because I already used it. I used it in my marriage, in my parenting, in my pastoring. I used it in building this church I used it to tell myself, don't quit, stay the course, keep fighting because one day you will get there. And here's my mantra. I printed it on your outline. Philippians 4.13, do you know it? It says, for I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. And I, wanna, I want you to see how practical this is because it literally, this, these words of grit literally helped me accomplish a very difficult goal. 
About three years ago, my good friend John and my son Tim, we took a hiking expedition to Utah with the goal of hiking in Mount Zion. They have this place called Angel's Landing. And I got to tell you, Angel's Landing, man, that is a serious hike. And I'm afraid of heights. And so all the way, we get to the first part of the hike, it's almost like hiking Mission Peak. It's about three, four miles. It's not a bad hike. It's really beautiful. But then you get to this place that's called Chicken Out Landing. It's actually called Chicken Something Else Landing, but I don't want to say that word in church. But this is where a lot of people chicken out, and they look, and they say, there is no way. And literally, out of my fear of heights, I had this goal. I wanted to make it with my son. But literally, I'm going to show you a video of our hike. But on this last part, what you don't hear, you'll hear the music, but what you don't hear is every step me saying, I can do all things through Christ. I can do all things through Christ. I can do all things through Christ. And I want you to see it. Take a look. Guys, can I tell you, I have no idea how I made it. to My palms are sweaty right now just watching that. But can I tell you, those words of grit got me to my goal. They got me to the top of the mountain. And here's why I'm sharing this with you. Remember, your words are either poison or fruit. I want to challenge you to choose the words that you say to yourself very carefully. And some of you need to hear today, you have to stop. You have to stop the poison that you keep telling yourself. All that negative self-talk where you say, well, I'm stupid, I'm a failure, I'll never get it together, I can't do it, I won't make it. Man, cut out the poisonous self-talk and start using God's word of grit. You tell yourself, I can do all things through Christ. I can make it because God loves me and God's not done and he'll never leave or forsake me. I'm curious, as you think about the things in, in your life that matter most, your family, your faith, your future of God's purpose for your life, what words of grit do you need to start telling yourself? Man, it's a life-changing conversation that you got to have. That's number one. Number two on your outline, would you write this down? Where I choose, I choose to speak words of gratitude to God. Words of gratitude to God. The Bible tells us one of the main ways we worship God. You see it in Psalm 100, verse 4. It says, enter his gates with thanksgiving and his courts with praise. Give thanks to him and praise his name. Yet, can I tell you, sometimes in our self-sufficient, independent culture, we live more like how Bart Simpson prays. Like, take a look. Bart, would you like to say grace? Dear God, we pay for all this stuff ourselves, so thanks for nothing. <gasps> <laughs> Did you hear it? Did you hear it? Bar says, God, we paid for all this stuff ourselves, so thanks for nothing. Now, most of you would never actually say words like that, but subconsciously, many of us, we start living that way. See, human nature, it's just, it's just our human nature where we just naturally take credit for all the good things in our life and then blame God for all the bad, right? That's why Psalm, uh, Proverbs 19.3 on your outline says this, people ruin their lives with the foolish things they do, and then they what? Blame the Lord for it. Fr friends, this is why it's so important that you learn to speak words of gratitude to God, not just on Thanksgiving, but regularly, and here's why. 
fact, I'm going to need your help for this one, but this will help illustrate it. Let me express it this way. By a show of hands, how many of you here today have ever felt unappreciated? Like, look around, almost all of us, right? Almost all of us. How many of you have ever worked really hard to, to help or serve or do a good job, but you felt the sting of not one person saying thank you? You know what I'm talking about, right? Or how about this one? How many of you have ever said to yourself, why do I try so hard? No one even notices what I do to help. Why do I keep trying? See, so, so guys, you see, almost all our hands went up. Now, now, why am I having you do this? Because I want you to multiply that by 7.5 billion to say that's how God's heart must feel after all he does to love and serve and help and give and save and protect and provide. And yet we rush through our lives, rarely stopping to say, thank you, Father. Thank you, God. And young people, let me ask you this. When was the last time you told your parents, mom and dad, thank you for changing all those diapers, buying all my school clothes, preparing all those meals, buying, putting a roof over my head, taking me all to my, my school events, all the practices, to the doctor when I was sick, to the dentist, paying for my braces. Now, why am I saying this? Because my kids are home from college and I'm fishing for a thing. <laughs> I'm saying this because, guys, we're all God's kids. We are all God's kids. When was the last time you expressed deep gratitude to God for all he has done? Can I tell you, when you do it, it touches his heart. Just this past week, our church council gave every one of our staff members notes of appreciation that many of you have signed. And I want to tell you on behalf of our staff, it touched our hearts. I want to say, thank you for doing that. Well, do you know when you do that to God, it touches his heart. And I want to bring it back to how we worship God. You know, in our services here, we usually end by taking an offering. But do you know, there, there's an offering that you can give God that has nothing to do with money. In fact, check out what the Bible says there on your outline. In Psalm 116, verse 17, it says this, I will offer you, what? A sacrifice of thanksgiving and call on the name of the Lord. And so I want to give you a chance right now to participate in this service by offering a sacrifice of thanksgiving. So here's what I'm going to ask you to do. I want you all to take out your outline. And on the back where it says, my thanksgiving offering, God thank you for... And I'm just asking one thing, one thing. So one thing physical, like God, thank you for my eyes because I can see. Thank you for my ears because I can hear. Thank you for my legs because I can run. You know what, what, what mine was? I put thank you, God, for my taste buds. <laughs> you, know, you know what I'm saying, right? One thing physical, write that down. Now, one thing spiritual, like God, for your grace, your forgiveness, for prayer, for the Bible, for my church family. One thing spiritual, God, thank you. And then one thing material, like the coat you're wearing on your back, or the car you drove to church in, or the bed you slept in, or the food in your fridge, or the shoes on your feet. One thing material. And then God's greatest blessings are the people in our lives, right? 
So for someone special, maybe it's your wife, maybe it's your kid, the one who's on your good side right now. <laughs> maybe it's a kid. You know, mine, I put Pastor Dwayne because it was so special to beat him in fantasy football this past week. So, you know, someone special. Now, do you have your list? Do you have your things listed? Now, check out what it says on your outline right underneath it. It says, feeling gratitude and not expressing it is like wrapping a present and not giving it. So I want to give you a chance to give this gift of gratitude to God right now. And we're just going to take 30 seconds of silent prayer. And let's uh, do that now. Amen. Amen. Just one more thing about gratitude. Did you guys know this Tuesday is what they call Giving Tuesday? And what I'm going to encourage you to do is to take some time this Tuesday and take some time to give thanks back to God. And I want to challenge you, why not pray about your birthday present to Jesus and what God would have you to give in that moment? And then you come ready. Don't just show up for church. Oh, yeah, birthday. No, prayerfully prepare yourself to give your offering and do it with gratitude. And I think God will do miracles in and through this offering. So let me talk to you about a third conversation we have to have. A beautiful way I use my words. I want to encourage you to speak, to choose to speak words of grace to others. Speak words of grace to others. Romans 1.16 says, For I'm not ashamed of this good news about Christ. It is the power of God at work, saving everyone who believes. Friends, can, can I tell you why I am so motivated to speak words of grace everywhere I go. I mean, I try to preach God's grace. I try to lead small groups and get groups of people together so I can tell them about God's grace. I will take any one-on-one conversation where I can sit down and encourage someone to give their heart to Christ and receive God's gift of salvation. Can I tell you why? Well, I want to tell you about just one guy. Just one guy who really motivates me and keeps me on fire to share God's grace everywhere I go. This guy, he's in his mid-50s, and he's an alcoholic. Thinks he's only a social drinker, but his alcohol has damaged his life so much that he's on his third marriage. And the marriage he's in now, he's trying to be faithful, but he keeps slipping into what he calls occasional affairs. He comes from a broken home, And he's never dealt with all the anger and dysfunction. And so he's carried that into his marriage. And let me tell you, his defensive spirit and his outbursts of anger have killed all chances of real intimacy or connection. So in his marriage right now, they share share the bills and they share a bed, but they never really connect. This guy, I know he's a hard worker, but he hates his job. He's just living for the weekend. He's in serious debt. It's like he gets one credit card finally paid off and he's maxing out another one. During the weekend, he plays hard and he has lots of partying buddies, but he doesn't have one single close friend. He has three kids and he loves his kids, but he doesn't 
have a clue how to help him because he never had a good role model in that area. And now his kids are growing up and they're taking the same bad roads that he took. But he doesn't know what to say, so he chooses to ignore it. If you ask my friend, he'll tell you he believes in God in his own way, that he's a good person. But truth be known, money, sports, and pornography are his gods of choice. He's living a very self-centered life. He can be pretty outgoing and put up a happy front. But when he looks himself in the mirror, he just says, what's wrong with me? Why am I so empty? Why am I not happy? He feels like life is passing him by and he's trapped. And I want to tell you, I know this guy so well because his name is Paul. He's standing right in front of you. Can I tell you, this person I just told you about is exactly who I would have become if someone didn't speak words of grace and have the courage to tell me about Jesus. But you know, when I was 17, just a young man, some people said, hey, Paul, you know, this road you're on, you don't have to go down that road. God loves you. He sent his son for you. If you put your faith in Jesus, he'd forgive your sins and he'll make you a new person. And God did. And what you see in front of you, I, I thank God for the people who spoke words of grace to me. It literally saved my life. It's impacted my destiny and it's impacting future generations. And it motivates me, friends. That's what motivates me to say in Acts 20, 24, and last verse on your outline. But my life is worth nothing to me unless I use it to finish the work assigned to me by the Lord Jesus. The work of what? Telling others the good news about the wonderful grace of God. Who is it in your life right now that you need to use your words to speak words of grace to. Well, I thought I'd end my message by letting you hear uh, from some real-life people who actually live this way. I mean, they, they speak words of grit to themselves, gratitude to God, and grace to others. Their names are Joe and Mina Hawkins, and they were here last night, and we filmed them. So uh, take a look. Now, Joe and Mina Hawkins, they were a major part of Crossroads for many years. Guys, we actually led life groups in your house, couples groups, men's groups. Um, but the expense of living in the Bay Area just got so tough that they ended up selling their house here and they moved to Paradise. Now, when the camp fires broke out in Paradise, they had to get out real quick. And this is a picture of their house. Their house actually burnt to the ground. They lost everything. And so guys, first of all, I want to say thank you for being with us uh, today. And then I also wanted to just say our hearts are with you. But I wanted to talk to you because all through this, I called you the day of the fire, a couple days later. All throughout this, this crisis you've gone through, you've been speaking words of grit and gratitude and grace. So I just wanted to ask you uh, a couple questions. Like first, how did you first hear about the fire and, and how did you get out? What, what happened? We looked out the window and it was all red and you know there's something going on. And uh, I went out front and got Mina and she went out and looked and we could see a fire above the horizon.
So you knew that there's a fire coming, and so what did you do? Did you like just grab some stuff, or well, did you say, "Well, let's wait and see what happens"? How what happened? Well, you hit social media because up there it could be the fire could be anywhere, and so um, we thought it was far away, and and technically it was, but with the um, forest the way they are and the winds the way they are, it was just the perfect storm. Um, he took Alyssa to school, and I loaded the car. And when um, when it got to that point, I said, I'm out. And my neighbors pulled out right in front of me, and we left. Now, you guys, when you, when you left, I know you went to Chico, and you were staying like at a Harley-Davidson uh, parking lot, because they, these guys have a motorcycle ministry called the Black Sheep, where they try to share Christ with bikers and so you guys were all gathering there, but then you got the news that your house burnt down. How did you get that news? Mina got that news that a friend of ours was up there trying to save our house, and uh, he couldn't do it. And within three hours, our house was gone. And guys, you lost everything. Everything. Now, I know you, they, they've told me many times, you know, in the end, they know it's just stuff. But the heartbreaking part is a lot of your precious memories, especially uh, from your mom. It's really been hard on you. And, and yet at the same time, man, from the time I've called you, you've been speaking words of grit. Hey, we're going to get through this. We're going to make it. Gratitude, man. We thank God. We got our kids are good. Our dogs are good. We're good. God's going to take care of us. But you're also trying to point people to faith in Christ like, who does that? Who lives that way? I, what is it about you guys that makes you want to live this way? Why are you like this? We've always been the ministers to minister to others. And for us to go through it ourselves is humbling because now we need to rely on others. And uh, we just want to be there for others. And all we can do is walk in faith, like the song says. One step well, at a time. Well, you guys are really doing it. I want to ask, guys, in the midst of this challenge you're going through, how can we as a church family, you don't live in Fremont, but we're always going to be your church family. So how can we as your church family be praying for you? Pray for Butte County. They are a lot of people who are a lot worse off than we are, and they need prayer bad. And then also um, to rebuild, we're going to need um, strength and discernment to do it right. Well, you know, God delights in rebuilding lives. And there's a verse that talks about how God can bring beauty from ashes. And we're going to say out of this terrible tragedy, we're going to ask God to bring amazing miracles and blessings in and through your life. So can we pray for you now? And I'd like us to pray for them, and I'd like to pray for you. So would you pray with me? Lord, together we unite our hearts to pray for Joe and Mina. Lord, I'm just so humbled that they didn't even ask for prayer for themselves. They said, pray for Butte County, pray for all those other people, but we pray for them, that they would feel your your very presence, holding them tight, loving on them, and very practically, Lord, we pray 
that you would provide just what they need and that you would use their strong faith in you to help so many others know that you're there and that you care. And now for each one of us, God, I pray that you would help us to speak words of grit so that we don't give up on you or the important things in our life and that out of gratitude, Lord, we would continue, continually remind ourselves that every good gift and every good thing in our lives can be directly traced right back to you. And then, Lord, for that, those people in our lives who we love and care about and who we desperately want them to know you, I pray that even this week that you give us divine appointments and great opportunities to speak your words of grace everywhere we go for Christ's sake. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Amen.